Welcome back, everyone, to our interview series that I like to call Humans Make Video Games. I had the opportunity to sit down with voice actor Cyrus Rodas and have a conversation with him about how he's got started in the industry, advice that he has for other people that want to get into the industry other than having an amazing voice. Cyrus has worked on a bunch of animes. He's worked with Smite, um, the video game, and more recently, also he was one of the voice actors that provided his talents to the Video Game Awards trailer for Godfall from Counterplay Games. So I got to sit down and talk with him and just really, you know, have a conversation, but more of just sitting down and talking to someone and catching up, which I really, really enjoyed. So with that, here it is. And then we should be good to go. So first off, Cyrus, um, thanks for agreeing. And, and it's um, Cyrus Rodas, right? Yes. Uh, Cyrus Rodas. Either one works as long as you don't extend the ass at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to make sure I get that right so I don't mess up the name. And really what – like this interview, I kind of wanted it to be more of just like a conversation, not so much, hey, I'm going to ask you questions and you answer. But just if it want, if we want it to be like more conversational, like even if you have questions, if you have something that you want to ask, you can do that. Um, just something super, um, yeah, just very conversational, very personal, more instead of just the, the standard interview, I guess, if that's a, if that makes any sense, if I explain it that way. Oh yeah, of course. Just totally chillax, just having a conversation. Those are actually the podcasts I really enjoy is just kicking back and shooting it, you know? Yep. And, um, I, I will have to admit, sorry, that's it. Like your voice sounds like I'm not talking to a a normal person because your voice sounds so low and so deep. It's like this has to be something like from a movie or from a TV show because you're like seriously your voice is so deep and it sounds so good that it's kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> no, I, I get that a lot. It's weird because my voice got around this deep when I want to say I was maybe like 14 or 15. So being that age and having this voice, I was just like, no, this, my ears must be shot. I probably got to go see an ENT. But no, it just dropped and it stayed like this. And no one ever believes me when they get on the phone with me. Yeah. And at 14, that that's impressive. So, I mean, wow. To have a, a voice deeper than probably most of your teachers is probably something to be proud of, I'm guessing. Well, they never heard it because I never spoke in class. I was always that kid with his head down on the desk, you know, just <laughs> so they didn't hear it until like my senior year graduation. And I was just like, hi, thanks for the great year of class. And they're like, you speak, you have voice like that. Like, like, why haven't you been talking this whole time? I, and I imagine like when you started speaking, they're like, all right, you have to go into radio or you have to go into voiceover like right away. Right. I don't I don't want to say this in the in the event that it sounds boasty but it is a legitimate fact I hear that maybe 3 or 4 times a day whenever I go out into public and my regular daytime so I go out you know hi thanks for calling how can I help you hey you should do radio like, all right <laughs> It's like yeah I know everyone keeps telling me that no I mean like really and I, and I'll probably I'll, I feel bad because I'm now I'm like the fifth person that's like, hey, you should do radio because you I mean, it's like 
you you have to do it. like what else can you do you have to do you have to use your voice for something like it's so unique and it sounds so good that it would be it would be a shame if you didn't right i'm sure i'm sure everyone's told you that though it's not like i'm the first one to tell you that oh yeah and the, and the road to getting on the voiceover was actually completely unexpected it was actually not a career path i was going down to begin with Originally, I was actually wanting to be like the next film action Rambo star, like the movies I used to watch with my dad. And I wanted to work in film. That was where I wanted to start. But then uh, one tricky thing led to another. And then eventually someone got me a mic. They said, hey, try doing a couple spots. I ended up recording. And then maybe after a month or two, I ended up booking my first job and thought, you know what? This is actually pretty fun. I enjoy doing this, you know. Yeah, so I guess I guess we can just jump into it. I'll add, I'll add the intro on the beginning of this because I I like this conversation already and I want to keep it in. So like when when you first get into voice acting, I mean, what what is that process like? For someone like from the outside, I'm like, "Oh, you have to know someone or like because most people don't have voices that sound as good as you, right?" Like, it seems like you have a leg up on the competition because you already have an amazing sounding voice. So when you get in, I mean, what is that process like? Is there a lot of like, hey, I need you to, you know, show me what you can do with your voice? Or is it just like, hey, you sound good. You need to go read the spot for me because it's going to be amazing. I mean, is it that simple to get into it? So it was actually interesting. Um and I feel like I feel like I'm going to get crucified for saying this because it's such a taboo in the voiceover industry. But I actually got started uh, fairly as like a newbie on Voices.com, like in 2016, years ago, uh, or what? 2016. I already gave you a year. So, <laughs> but I started doing voiceover that way. And I was just taking in all the auditions that were just coming my way because during that time, I was actually recovering from an accident at the time. So, I, you know, I, w I didn't really have a place to work at the time. I was basically on bed rest most of the time. So really, all I had was voiceover and the time to do it. Um, so I would want to say like maybe the however so many auditions when I first booked it. That first role I ever booked was actually a part of my first demo. And eventually it just kind of started, you know, mudsliding into more work because people understood that, hey, this person does work. So, I mean, I guess you could say it's dumb luck the way I got started. But really, I guess it kind of boils down to putting yourself out there to the world of people who are willing to listen to what you have, you know. Yeah. And I guess question about like equipment, because a lot of times when we talk to people and they say, hey, we want to get started podcasting, we want to do something similar to you, like what equipment do you have? And usually people expect that oh, in order to be successful, you have to have like the best equipment available on the market. Was was that true for you? Or did you just like how what kind of equipment did you use to start out with? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to be a voice actor. They're like, hey, I don't have a lot of money to do this. I want to do it. Like, what kind of equipment did you have to start out with? I actually started, a lot of people like to say that you need to have very good equipment, or at least there's like a half of the spectrum of people who like to say that, because you do get really good quality. Um, 
but actually I can throw in this uh, audio engineering side of my life because I actually went to go study audio engineering. And a lot of it, if you want to get good sound, it does come from like a good environment where you are. But the bare minimum, the way I got started, I actually got my first mic at a pawn shop. I believe it was a AT2020. You can get it for, in fact, are you, it looks like you're using AT2020 almost. Yes, I, I um, am. Yes. And you can get them for like a hundred bucks and they go on sale a lot too online. Yeah. And it's amazing quality for what you can get out of it. And you can get, uh, what is it? I, I have a Scarlet 2i2, but you can get a Scarlet Solo, that Focusrite Solo. And you already have your first preamp interface and mic right there. And I've seen and heard of so many different voice talents in the world out there. Just book with that or even a Yeti Pro. So really, as long as you have a good environment and a decent sound quality, there's a whole world of possibilities that can open you up to the world of voiceover, you know? Yeah. So before, because I, I always like to ask people, like when you're growing up, you know, your voice changed at 14, like you didn't speak a lot until high school. Like, what did you want to do as a as a kid growing up? Like, what was your dream job for young Cyrus? Oh, boy, this is going to be weird. But, uh, well, originally, originally, my plan was I was going to enlist and I actually did enlist. I want to say around 2010, 2011. I was 16, 17. I went off to the Marines, and then I actually got injured while in the Marines, so my time in the Marines was fairly short. So around when I got back, uh, my goal for growing up was actually owning a funeral home or being a funeral director. <laughs> okay. Complete opposite of what I do, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine with the with the deep voice that you have though you could probably have a lot of fun um at that job um being kind of monotone I don't know the uh <laughs> the haunted mansion comes to mind with that kind of with that kind of delivery so so why did you want to own a funeral home like I've never heard any no one has ever said that they wanted to do that so I'm kind of curious as why you wanted to well, purely I I guess I just had a fascination there was I was one of those kids that really wanted to do so many things. I mean, if we want to go back to younger Cyrus, he wanted to be an astronaut, maybe even younger than that. He wanted to be a knight, like <laughs> so many things I wanted to be as a kid. But around the funeral home, I guess I knew a couple people that were studying mortuary sciences or, or whatever that was called again. And I knew another lot of people who were studying like forensics, anthropology, and people who really wanted to work as a, um, uh, what is it, like a morgue director for a police department. The word's escaping me right now. Uh, mortician? Um, but someone who works, I want to say it's that, it's like a someone who works with forensics to examine the corpses that come into the police station. Okay. And uh, yeah, quite a... This is quite a morose topic to talk about when we're talking about voiceover. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that led me onto this path of, hey, you can open up a funeral home. There are so many, like, you could bring people peace in their life, uh, you know, and then people with more, I want to say, 
darker sense of humor always say like oh it's a business that never stops so you know the financial part of me was like oh this is a business that i could really get into because i'm interested in it um and it was that or being the movies and you know being in the movies is kind of half and half when they tell you that so yeah was was your desire to help people is that something that that you've always had because you said you wanted to comfort people is that something that just was kind of instilled in you and your family? Um, or is that something that's just like, Hey, I need, I have this desire that I need to be helping people any chance that I get. I, yeah, through my family, I guess I was always raised with this kind of protect and serve sort of attitude of personality. My, my father was kind of raised like that. And he was that kind of guy. He would always go around and help family and help people you know, he would talk about being a police officer or wanting to be a police officer. And my mother was helping out. Uh, when I was younger, she used to work at, I, I think, like a nursing area years ago. I don't even remember anymore. But both of them always had this protect and serve and always take care of the people around you. So I kind of adopted that into my own personality growing up, you know. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's something that we definitely need more of in this world. I think that's something that um, you know, if we just care about each other a little bit more, I think that could solve a lot of our problems that we have as a society. If we just go the extra step to actually, you know, reach out and really have the desire to help people. So I think that's awesome that, that that's how you're raised and that's how you, you continue to live your life. So, I mean, I, especially nowadays, it's important that we just care about each other more. I wish we all did. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I just always say is think about what that other person, you know, might be going through or, you know, I guess that's the way I think of it is like an empathetic kind of way. I mean, like everybody's always struggling. So I I try not to be someone who outright judges like straight away or, you know, I just try and think about the other person, um, you know, in that kind of way. Yeah. And and I guess as I, as I think about that and I, as I think about the pandemic that we've been going through, I mean, how, how have you been handling the pandemic? Has it been, you know, I, I imagine it's been difficult like it has been for everyone. Is there, have you been able to find the silver lining of everything that's been happening around that? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. One of the silver linings is that I'm glad and fortunate that uh, a good majority of my family is safe. You know, they've been Obey, you know, they've been kind of following protocols, disinfecting, and that's been keeping them safe. So that definitely helps us all out, you know. So just knowing that everyone in my immediate family has been being, you know, taking the precautions and staying safe is a great silver lining. Um, you know, I, I know friends that have already gotten COVID and they've, they've been through hell and back. I'll tell yeah. you that. Um, that and being able to at least get some kind of financial income, you know, during all of this, while others are unfortunate to, you know, not be able to get that income that way. That is, that is a very, I'm very fortunate to even, you know, be on that line. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've been fortunate as well that I, that I've still been able to work and have had to work, but there's a lot of people that have not, um, been that fortunate. So yeah, it's definitely been something that's super tough. Um, something that, I guess another silver lining is that we we are home, so we get to play a lot more video games. So I kind of wanted to ask you about your video game history. Um, you know, were you were you always a video game player? Because I saw um, earlier today that you have been streaming Mafia on your stream. Have video games always been part of some your hobbies? I guess. 
Oh yeah. It can it can go all the way back to I think when I used to live in Brooklyn, like back in ninety like the nineties, I think I think like the first time I started gaming and I had to be when I was like young and with the Super Nintendo. And I clearly remember it had to be like Mario All Stars or something like that. So right from like the age of four or five, whenever my sister was pretending that I was playing the game up until now, it's like I always try and find a new experience in the next new game to, you know, get raveled into, you know? Yeah. So so what have been some of those uh, games throughout your throughout your time as a as a video gamer that have really stuck with you? Like those those core games that, you know, that really made an impact on you. Well, definitely one of the core games or core franchises, I would say, would have to be Legend of Zelda, 100%. Either Legend of Zelda, because that's definitely stuck with me over time. I've tried to get my hands on every single Zelda game to play, including the CDI, which will happen in the future at some point. Um, I have to experience it. I have to suffer like everyone else. <laughs> um, let's see. Gears of War was definitely one that got me through my teenage years. That was such an incredible franchise that actually I would say it was kind of a catalyst for voiceover for me uh, growing up because of John DiMaggio's performance and just thinking, how can I do that guy? Like, how can I be that guy? Um, I don't know. Just anything Nintendo, anything with a console and anything with a PC, I try and get my hands on. And over games. Oh, horror games. Okay, so I am not a horror fan. I get scared way too easy. What is your favorite uh what's your favorite horror game? Ooh, that is tricky. I have not felt the buzz of being scared in a long time, just because it's hard to find one really enticing. But I would say Oh man, in terms of story, gameplay, puzzle solving, and just the eerie feeling that it's always given me, even when I go back, has to be Silent Hill 2. Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3 all the way. Uh, made a huge impact in my life. And, you know, the soundtrack, just everything, the sound design was actually, that's one of those games that led me into sound design and voiceover and all of that. So those two things right there. Is is it bad that me just thinking about playing those games, I get like that pit in my stomach and that it kind of makes me nauseous and I'm like, oh, I can't never play these games. I get scared way too easy. And hopefully someday in the future, I'll be able to play like a Silent Hill or a Resident Evil. But until that day happens, I think I'm just going to, I have to avoid it because it just, I get a pit in my stomach just thinking about it. I'm just kind of chicken like that. <laughs> But with the um, with the Legend of Zelda series, I, I have to ask you, like, what is your favorite Legend of Zelda? Because I think you and I are probably around the same age. So either Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time were like those core franchises um, for me. Like my favorite, I, I prefer um, Legend of Zelda um, Link's Awakening on the Game Boy just because that's the game I had personally away from the four other brothers that were always trying to um, hog the television. So that's the, that's the Legend of Zelda game that I um, connected with the most because I have the most game time with it. Um, which one is it for you? You know, I would say it, it, it's so tricky for me because when I think about all those Legend of Zeldas, I had such a fascination in, in 
I want to say like deep down in my heart, Ocarina of Time has a place in there just because it was one of the, that was the first game that got me into the franchise. Um, you know, and, and it's still mythical when I think about when I got that game and when I first plugged it in and I was like, this is a whole new adventure to me. Like everything makes sense now. And then I never beat it for like another six years until I was older <laughs> to get it. Um, but it kind of balances between nowadays. I want to say Majora's mask because I love the world that's built around it. Uh, and the gameplay is still great in that one. Uh, Link to the Past, because I love breezing through that game. It's it's one of those games, there's not a lot of dialogue. You can literally just punch through that game, have fun, get the items, and then beat the game like in a matter of, you know, hours, if not minutes. And uh, Link's, Awakening, Link's Awakening is another great game that I love as well. It's fantastic gameplay, story, and just all around, just a great killer. I have it for the Switch, actually, and I keep replaying it, and that's a serious problem I have. <laughs> well, they did such a good job on the port of Link's Awakening. I wish, like, like that new art style that they did for that game, I think is just, it's a perfect art style, making it look like, it's almost like clay animation, but, um, yeah, that, that port is amazing. Like, that's an amazing game, so... Like speaking of games, so like going over all the voices that you've done, you um have been in Smite, you've done voiceover for Smite, you did voiceover for a company that I had never heard of before, but I started doing some research as I was looking into the stuff that you've done. You were a you were a voiceover um guy for I think your first video game project was with Playtech Virtual Games, is that correct? Oh, that takes me back. What what was that experience like? Yeah, like it was. this like this is your first job in video games. How was that different from the other voiceover work that you had done? So this is this is this is a really weird story actually of how this got into. It's it's life, crazy stories and whatnot. So this is one of those voices.com jobs that I actually got, I want to say in my second year of doing voiceover kind of like on a mediocre amateur scale. And so I booked this job and basically this Playtech company was looking for a Marv Albert kind of character. And I should preface this by saying, I don't watch a lot of sports. I don't. Um, the main sports I watch are, I don't know, eating. And that's just a personal sport <laughs> that I do myself. But so I get this booking because they say we're looking for a Mar Marv Albert kind of guy. So I Google him. I YouTube him and I realize that he's this sports announcer who has this great, you know, like he's going into the ring and then he gets it in through the whatever. And then, yes. <laughs> so I do that. I just make up my own thing and just improv all of it. And then. I get a message like, I want to say a month or two, like maybe like it might have been like four or five months later. I don't even remember anymore. But they're basically saying, "Hey, this company wants to book you for this project. It's it's a game that's coming out. Um, it's a but they want you in Tennessee for it. And I live in Texas, so I'm like, how that's gonna happen? 
Uh, also, this is online. I thought we record this here. Also, I'm still kind of new to voiceover, so I'm dumb. Kind of, you know, step me through the guide and figuring this out. And um, they tell me, they're like, oh, they're going to fly you out to Tennessee. And I was like, ah, oh, you're full of shit. So, sorry if I can't curse on here. No, you're okay. I will edit it out later, so not a problem. All right, perfect. Well, I was just like, whatever, you're like, get back to me. And then if you're serious about this, let's get back to it. I get a message like maybe a couple weeks later and they tell me, okay, so we got your flight itinerary. We got you booked in a studio in Tennessee. You're going to fly out there for a week. And I'm like, all right, this is real. Uh, so I get on my, I got on the first flight, fly over to Tennessee to a great studio out there. <sighs> Record the recording engineers guys name is rusty. It's the first video game. I have no idea what's supposed to happen because I never went through that training formally. And I get there and then they tell me, Hey, so everything about this game is improv. And then I think, well, I'm fired because I don't <laughs> know what to say. <laughs> Luckily, they're they're the kindest people. It was probably one of the greatest, well, like the funnest or the most fun people I've ever worked with on a video game project in one studio uh, like that. It was all, they fed us lines. We got to watch the footage of the basketball game, which is what it was. It was a basketball game. And we had to record these pre-recorded clips of like a play-by-play and a colored announcer just doing banter back and forth. And we did that for two weeks. And I think at that point I was, I, I felt legitimized or legitimized as a voice actor, you know, <laughs> entirely. Uh, so it was an incredible experience, you know, getting into that. Very cool. So how is, how is the, the experience of your first time going to do video game voiceover? Do you still get like butterflies in your stomach when you go and do a reading for, say, um, for counterplay games in Gearbox to be in Godfall? Or is it like, hey, I've done this before. No problem. Let's go. There's always a sense of professionalism whenever you, you know, whenever you do a job and then you move on to the next one and you have something in your belt saying to like, hey, I've done this before. It's going to be a sense in the next one. But you, I always feel like that people always have some kind of butterfly in their stomach. And that's something that I definitely have for every job because it's kind of the jitters of, you know, I really want to impress these people if it's people I've never worked with before. And the fact that I can be like, okay, this is a really big project, or this is going to be a really fun project, you know, and I'm excited to do this. And I felt, I definitely felt a lot of like nervousness when I walked in and did the Godfall voiceover, because that was the first time I ever entered Gearbox, and that was mind-blowing. Yeah, entering Gearbox, these are people that are responsible for some of the biggest franchises in the most in more recent generations, like Borderlands. I mean, that's that's got to be like, oh man, like you guys are the guys. Like, how much? I mean, did you have any like fanboy fanboy moments where you just kind of fanboyed out with everyone over there at Gearbox? Oh yeah, so um, they have this Tower of Doom elevator that goes all the way up to the top floor. Uh, best way I can describe it. But when I went in there and their offices are just decked out with everything, Borderlands and all the work they've ever done, they have like a, uh, they have like a, a, a realistic size claptrap in the office, like right in the lobby there. And I'm just looking around and I'm thinking, this is, this is the place. <laughs> like, does this make me kind of successful? I, I don't know what this makes me. 
but I was definitely trying to snap pictures while not trying to get in trouble at the same time, you know? Yeah, I definitely share those pictures with me after. But so how how did the process of um, getting the job with Gearbox, how did that happen? Is there like, hey, we just, they call you up and they say, hey, we have this perfect role for you. Your voice sounds godly. We have a bunch of these characters that are pretty much gods. Will you come read for this? Or how how does the audition go, I guess, for a video game? So it it depends, uh, depending on how the project goes. You have certain projects that do this, I I like to call them mystery auditions or uh, uh, vague auditions. Because with a lot of video game stuff that are under NDAs, they won't reveal what what the project is. They'll just say, this character is like this, and then they'll probably throw in like a fake image. And then with some lines on it, and they're like, okay, now voice them like this. And then once, if they decide to book you for the role, then they contact you and tell you, hey, this is what this actually is. Um, So the process I went through auditioning with through that was actually the same process I went through Smite and Paladins uh, through those guys, which is actually a company called Ocatron 5000 owned by Chris Sabat who's the wonderful voice of Vegeta and he owns that oh. little company. So yeah, they, they work with gearbox and high res and all this. And it just so happened that it dropped by in my email one day and, um, they showed a glimpse of what silver main mind looked like. I did, uh, maybe two takes probably about like a couple minutes and I sent it out. And then I got called back from my agent told me to drive up to Dallas ASAP. Oh, wow. So in two takes, you knocked it out of the park and all of a sudden it's like, cause you're, cause like Silvermane is the main guy. He's, he's the guy in Godfall front and center. So that's got to be pretty awesome. I mean, when you told people like, Hey, that's me. Like, did, how long did you have to keep that a secret? And then how, how bad did your like family freak out that, you know, you were the voice of a character during the 2019 video game awards? Well, for my family, um, Seeing as they don't play video games at all, they were just like, oh, that's cute. Like, <laughs> So, you know, thanks for the backup on that, family. But for everyone else who was into the video game awards and all of this, um, they I actually didn't know about it because I was driving on my way to another job that night. So I wasn't informed until like halfway through the drive. And then I get this, I get, I get a message from the wonderful voice director over at gearbox uh joel mcdonald and he messages me saying hey uh godfall premiered at the vgas today here's the link to it and i'm like what i'm I'm driving right now i didn't know that was happening today oh man i feel like an idiot and he basically just tells me like post it man you did a great job and uh all my nerd friends found out too and then i was nerding out and then they're showing all their nerd friends like, this guy was the guy who never spoke in school. Look at him now. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> we sat next to each other. No, I, I and I think like that Godfall trailer, um, like the voice that you brought to it, like it, it does make Silvermane sound like otherworldly just because of the, I don't know how you do it with your voice or how deep, it, how deep you can actually make it, but it's like, oh wow, like there's some gravity to these three characters on the screen. They're like, 
these guys are serious business. This These guys are serious, and you brought a gravity to that role, like, even in the few lines that you said that I thought was super impressive. And it definitely, like, you know, makes you open your eyes and be like, oh, like, I'm really interested in this game because of the character that you guys brought. I mean, it, it has to be really difficult also because, like, Silvermane, Phoenix, and Greyhawk, they don't have faces to emote. So your voice is doing a lot of that heavy lifting. I mean, is that something that even enters into your mind while you guys are doing the voices for a character like that? Like, oh, I've got extra pressure to bring more character to this character because you're not going to see like those facial expressions. I guess in a way, I guess in a way for voiceover, it's almost theatrical. And I, the way I was kind of trained on that was to always put a lot more into you know, a voice's character, which other people will say less is more and whatnot. Um, but it, it also goes back into just what my natural timbre is whenever I do voiceover, because naturally when I speak, like you and I speaking right now, uh, this isn't considered conversational usually. Uh, a lot of people, like even in the voiceover world, they don't consider this always conversational. So my voice just naturally has this gra- grativas to it. Um, so when I read for Silvermane, the main thing that I really put in the key was they did say he was a little bit otherworldly, but he was this knightish, honorable kind of character. And whenever I voice characters like that, I definitely puff out my chest a lot more, and it brings out this bass in my voice naturally. You know, and I tuck the tongue back a bit, which gives him like maybe a bigger head sound. And then that's kind of just how I came up with Silvermane on the spot there. No, that's really cool. I I think you knocked it out of the park. Like when you talk to people, do people ask you to like do voices all the time for the characters that you've been like? I'm, I'm sure you get that a lot. Depending if they know me off the bat, I have had had people ask me like, do you do voiceover? And then I'll say, you know, if I'm being honest that day or a conversation, I'll say like, yeah, I do. And then if they figure out who I am or do any of that and they research or even watch the shows I've been in, they're like, oh, you're this guy. Can you do that voice? But I'm super introverted. So sometimes I'll normally open it up with like a fake voice, like not a real, (laughs) that's real to the character. But then I end up just doing it because, you know, I'm happy that someone's a fan of my work to begin with, you know. Yeah. Do and and this might be a weird question, but do you sometimes like hide your normal voice so you don't get, you know, the interaction of like, hey, you should do voiceover or hey, I recognize you. I mean, do you kind of hide that sometimes? I try you know No. Let's <laughs> just okay. say it right off the bat. I I just I just speak naturally because um uh, one of the reasons is that I'm also asthmatic, so if I try and hide it, it tends to put too much strain on the vocal cords. So I just talk, and if someone asks me about it, I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, very cool. Well, Cyrus, I'm super excited because we also got a new Godfall trailer today, so you kind of get to see your character in action doing all these um, awesome, amazing feats, and I mean, that's just an amazing thing, so that's got to be like surreal, like, hey, that's the character that I voice. That's awesome. I mean, that's got to be like a really cool feeling, especially because the people over at Counterplay Games that are developing Godfall, they're just kind of knocking that out of the park right now. So that's got to be really cool. Um, 
I'm really excited to to like to see more of the game, to hopefully hear more of your of your voice in the game if that's something that's happening in the future. Um I know sometimes they have voiceover work, but then characters aren't voiced in game. Um But I am excited to so hopefully we get to hear more of you in the future of this game because I think you just brought like you like you knocked it out of the park for the voice of Silvermane and you know, you brought a lot to that character that that's got to be really difficult to do, especially for a game this size. I mean, it's I mean, that's got to be a big task to be like, hey, you're going to be the voice of this. And, and I don't know exactly like what I'm getting at there other than I'm excited and I hope that we get to hear more of you in that game. And I'm sure you are as well. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you for for all those compliments. Really, it, it means a lot. You know, when I when I come across that one YouTube video that says, hey, this guy sucks, he should quit, you know, <laughs> it means a million to hear those compliments, um, but joking around. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here for a moment. Uh, no, that's a long day. No, that's fine. And but that yeah, brings, oh, sorry, yeah. that brings up like an interesting question. Like, are are you able to like filter out the negative comments because there's probably not a lot of negative comments on your voice. Cause your voice is amazing. Like when those do happen, if they do happen, are you able to filter that out? Or are you like me where it's like the only thing you can think about for like two weeks straight? It's one of those, I mean, to be honest, yes, I I've learned to filter them out. And honestly, the best way to filter out negativity like that is just not to pay attention to it. And, and that's advice to anybody who's an actor or, you know, a, a creator out there in the internet is that there's always going to be a slew of people who just hate what you do and there's no rhyme or reason behind it usually. So the best thing you could do is just filter it out. If you come across it, try and let it go. And if you can just try not to look up stuff like that because you, you will find one. You will find someone who just disses on your work and it's all about improving what you do and doing what you love to get further in what you want to do and continue doing what you love, regardless if it's a hobby or career, you know? Yeah. And Cyrus, I think that's an, that's amazing advice for the people that really want to do anything um, creative. Cause like you said, there'll be those people that are going to hate it no matter what. And there'll be those people that really enjoy it, but probably won't reach out and probably won't say anything, but it'll probably make an impact on them. So Cyrus, I really appreciate the time you've spent with us. Um, I know the fans of the show are, we always get really excited when we get to talk about anyone that's worked in the industry that's been around video games. Cause really talking with people that do that work. I think is important because there's a lot of voices and a lot of people that work in games that you just don't hear about. You don't get to hear their side of it. You don't get to hear or you don't get to talk to these people and put, you know, like, hey, there are actual real people that work on these video games. And it's not just a product that appears. There's a lot of hard work that goes into these things. So we always appreciate it when people are willing to come on, talk about their experience going from, you know, a 14 year old kid who had the deepest voice that like I can ever imagine in my life to working in one of the biggest titles that's coming out um, this year for the PlayStation five. So Cyrus, thank you very much for coming on. And I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. I hope I wasn't too talkative during this entire podcast, Um, but it was such a great time being here and and I enjoyed having this. And uh, hey, if I do another video game in the future that you want to pop, podcast with me about i'm always happy to come back on 
Oh, for sure. Like if that if that ever happens, yes, that is that is what we love to do. We like to talk to pe- to people about video games. So 